0: Episode 7 of Cherokee Rewind is on the air. How you doing? I am Mick. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the website. And I'll tell you what, changing things up a little bit, uh, we had Coach General Manager Kenny... Let's try English this time. Kenny Miller was on in our first episode, the first non-player, and then we've had all players since then. But today we're going to have a former owner, former general manager, president, uh, ran the bingo, did about everything there was to do, up to and including selling popcorn. Um, this guy, you talk about doing it all. At this level, He, it's what it took, he did it. And that is, of course, Mr. Chuck LeMay. Chuck, how you doing, buddy?
1: I am doing good, Mick. It's, uh, it's good to be on this podcast and... Uh... I hope that uh, everybody enjoys
0: it. Well, I hope so too. Uh just uh you know it's funny because it seems like it it seems like forever since you and I have talked and yet it seems like only it was just yesterday. You know, I mean I tw- I was with the team 20 years. You were with them from the get-go. Uh of course that I want to get into that some here right out of the shoot and that is what you and uh I believe it was Chris Reniger and Dr. Rod McCarthy, were the original folks that put this team together, were you not?
1: Yes, that's that's correct. We uh, we 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 played uh, we played in the uh, the youth hockey leagues, and uh, one thing just led to led to another, and one day we decided we were going to check out the uh, North American Junior Hockey League and see about putting our Toledo franchise into. Into the uh, to the junior leagues, and so we spent we did that, and we went to them, and they they accepted us, and we uh, spent one full season just going to to games, looking at what the other teams did, how they how they set up their their games, how how they uh, just how they over worked overall, and so we so we said we will accept. The, the good things that they do or what we perceive to be the good things and maybe some things we might change if we want to make this uh, uh probably uh, uh one of the one of the best teams in, in the league
0: well you know what uh who were the teams that were part of that uh that north american league back then when you guys started oh back then we had uh we had cleveland
1: uh we had uh we had Detroit. There was, uh, the team up in uh, uh, Grand what no not grand Rapids. Uh, its Saginaw there was Saginaw uh, and there was there was there, st. Louis uh, there was there was a couple there was a couple there was a downriver team also uh, so there were there were it was not a it was not a huge league like it is now but uh, there were, there were just a few of us, and we were growing right along with the league.
0: Well, you know, I was just thinking about that. You know, you talk about some of the, the teams that were there back then. Um, were the owners, I mean, I came around in 1996, I believe, and were the owners that were back when you first started, were any of them still in the league when I came around back in the uh, mid to late 90s?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, St. Louis, uh, and then, of course, there was uh, uh, the D- Detroit teams. It, there, there wasn't a lot of change uh, in, in the ownership, so Saginaw kind of went by the by the wayside. Uh, but there was a lot of them that, were, that you would know were were there when Wiki went in.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember Tony, what's his name, Ventiglium. I can't
1: remember. or Bert, yeah, yeah, big old. I'd Tony
0: tell you v. name. Tony V. I remember him. He used to yell like crazy at everything out there. You could uh, hear him from across the rink, behind the bench. Everybody could hear him. He was he, he would he was something else. He used to
1: get up there and and he would yell about Toledo. And he said, "Bring on your your Russian line, bring on your European line," and he didn't like it because we had we had uh, we had some imports that came in that uh, we, we recruited and played for us. And, uh, yeah, Tony was a very excitable guy. Great old guy. He was a good guy, uh, except in the hockey rink. The, uh, he was the only guy I ever seen. that w- He was uh, acting as a goal judge uh, in one game. He's the only goal judge I ever seen kicked out of the kicked out of the goal judge position. Well, uh, the referees threw him out.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I, I, later on, years later, my old color analyst, who you know very well, Mitch Jensen, Actually got thrown out of. He was a, a gold judge for a game and got thrown out. Uh, true story. He'll, I'll, if I can get him on here, I'll ask him about that sometime. But uh, that's funny.
1: So, so now, you, now you know two of them. <laughs>
0: yes, two of them indeed. But uh, now was Gary Lula back with them back in the beginning in the early days? Uh,
1: no, no. Gary Gary was not. Gary came in. Uh, Oh, about the time about the time you did, he he, he bought it. I I don't remember who uh, that was. The Motor City Chiefs, yeah. And I I don't remember exactly who that that owner was. But uh, Gary came in a little bit later.
0: Okay. Now, uh, you you know, you talked about in Cleveland. That wasn't Bob Jacobson, was it? That had that it, team?
1: No, no, it wasn't. Uh, I, I, I remember the story about that that team from Cleveland. We. Uh one that was one of the one of the places that we went we wanted to see what kind of a, a setup they had in their games and one thing that we we found uh when we when we started playing was that Cleveland had this big old speaker that they put over the visitors bench and they would just blare the music at you. <laughs> and so if, if you if you on a timeout or if the coaches were trying to trying to talk to the players or anything, they couldn't hear a thing. And um, it was it was, a, it was a crazy setup, which which, it, which it was complained about, and and eventually led to the, the, the rule of uh, no no music during a timeout. My goodness! And I don't know if you remember them days of no music during timeouts. But, yes, I do. Uh, they they had it. I think maybe they could have handled it differently. Just made them move their speakers, but
0: still, that is too funny. But uh, now, you know, you look at it, and the league starts to grow in the early 90s and stuff. Where, uh, I mean, where did you see this league going as far as where you thought it might go and and stuff? I mean, obviously adding places like Chicago, Grand Rapids, uh, later on teams in, like, I believe Cincinnati, uh, you know, just uh, Peoria. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it ended up expanding. To I mean, before it before before what it is now, back when we were there, it was places like that, Davenport, Iowa. I mean, it just went all over the place. And right. I mean, yeah. what what was your what went through your mind? Did you think it was expanding too fast, or was it going right at about the right speed?
1: Well, at that, at that time, at that level, we, we thought we were growing at that, at the right speed. And uh, we do, our, our initial goal, as far as the Cherokee was concerned, uh, you know, I, I can't speak for the other, see, we, we were in the Junior B Division, and our goal was to, to get into the, the Junior A Division, because we thought we would attract more talent, because... Uh, you know we wanted to attract players that wanted to end up in college and you know make their way to get an education out of out of playing hockey and uh with with their abilities and um and it worked we we did we we put a lot of kids in the college and we had good relationships with with a lot of the colleges and that uh, came in and watch their kids and would would take them on. So that was the whole goal that we would go with junior A. But no, as far as growth, I thought the growth was uh, was just about right. Uh, what I saw later on in the in the jun- in the junior A league was they they started just growing so fast and putting on more teams, and it, it kind of weakened the talent. Mm-hmm. And so so your talent pool was a was a. Not as strong as it uh, once was but, but we we maintained and, and kept things going.
0: Wow so now when you guys tell me about the whole story about what it what how you guys came to going with the Cherokee moniker and, uh, and the logo design if I, if memory serves me, you guys also had a few problems with uh, with, with the Jeep company. About using the name Cherokee.
1: Oh, actually, actually, the, what we—I don't think that we really had a problem. I think what we were doing was uh, Dr. McCarthy and I. We were we were writing. We were going back from some game when we were first. We had didn't even have a name at that point in time. We started talking about we need to have a name. We'd like to have a name that that speaks about toledo and that uh, you know that people can identify with in toledo because a lot of people think that that we're doing that as an indian name but it was not in fact the logo and the logo still today we went to chrysler uh corporation uh at, at the time and they they, they sent out uh, their art department and they, they took uh light readings and they they actually designed that logo uh so that we could use it and i think that uh, that that logo is a i'm trying to remember which model uh uh, jeep that was but i think it was a wrangler but i'm not positive but that that was that logo but they 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 spent a lot of time developing a logo for us so we were very happy to to work with them
0: well you know um i mean it was still it was still i mean I guess, I guess I, I'm not really, you know, the whole idea behind using an Indian head for when you're trying to honor, you know, a Jeep made in Toledo.
1: Right. Back. Well, and, of course, back then, you know, we, we weren't even thinking of, uh, we weren't even thinking of any, of it being an Indian name or, or any, any type of, of a racial thing. It was funny because uh, Dr. McCarthy had a Jeep. And we were thinking, What can we have for a name? We really need a name and I looked at his glove compartment and it said Cherokee and I said, Rod, why don't we just call it Cherokee? Look, Jeep, Cherokee, let's go to Jeep. And that's what we did. We went to Jeep and got we had permission to use that name and that logo. And
0: okay. Well, so when you guys came in <clears throat> your talk about your first coaching staff that you put together how'd you put them together
1: well our first our first coaching staff of course was uh well we we, we did we hired a guy uh right out the uh right out the bat that didn't didn't last for two or three games was, i really got my feet wet on that because uh we hired him we, we, we brought him in and uh, I asked I asked his wife you know what, what kind of what kind of a plan does he have when he goes when he goes into these games she said that's that's why he's so successful he doesn't have a plan and uh, so uh-huh. well basically basically that that guy didn't didn't last too long but then so Dr. McCarthy started being the coach and we had Dr. McCarthy and uh, and Todd Omi. And uh, Bob Zion, uh, and then I think Scott Searing came on a couple years after that. I, I'm, you know, it's, it's been a lot of years, you know, for me to put that together. I'd have to look it up to be sure. But uh, it, it came on, and then then Rod got out of coaching and he went into management with Chris and myself, and uh, and, and then and Scott. Scott took over as head coach, and along with uh, with Todd Omi, and was very successful.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I was looking, thinking back about those days and stuff. I mean, you guys recruited heavily from outside the area because you didn't, you tried to keep things friendly with the high schools, did you not?
1: Well, yeah, because uh, here, here's the thing, you know. The, so a lot of high school coaches really want to they, they want to keep their players in playing high school hockey and you know and they have their thoughts about uh, what is is best for the players and uh, so we did we went out outside the area and did a lot of recruiting at first and then of course that that evolved uh, and it, it changed so it, as the years as the years went on then we started uh, bringing in, in some high local high school players and but we but we knew, and for, for any junior team because of the fact that you have to house these players and when you house these players you gotta you gotta pay the pay the housing parents uh a stipend you know because they're opening up their home they're feeding these players they're, they're they're treating them like one of their own but well we we started out back then i think we were giving them 150 dollars a month i'm not sure but for everybody we brought in, so our first, our first few years, our teams were lucky to have a, a, a local player. But uh, as time went on, you, we we started having more and more local players. Down to a point where very few players that, uh, on that Toledo team are actually not local or within a driving distance. Maybe a Michigan player that it, it can drive that far.
0: So you know. Uh, the, you talked about the success early for the Cherokee. Um, who, I mean, obviously, uh, a team like St. Louis, and you see their track record, they would be considered a natural rival. But who were some of the most, uh, the the uh, the teams that you guys really got your dander up for when you faced them uh, back then, before, I mean, like in the early 90s?
1: Yeah, there's no question in my mind about that, that it was St. Louis. Uh Say in St. Louis, uh, they had they had the talent pool. They pulled all over uh, the the southern uh, southern part of the nation. They had they had a big area to to recruit and to draft from, compared to the teams up here where our draft areas uh, at that time could not overlap into another person's. Draft area, uh, and there was some there was some protected areas for, if I remember right, it was the first eight rounds. You couldn't I, I could not go into Cleveland and draft a player uh, because that was that was that was protected property until the eighth round. Then after that, uh, it was an open area. So St. Louis really didn't have anybody going into their area because because of the distance, and so they were able to pull in all the talent that they wanted. So they they were the toughest team. That we had to play, we had some really, some some really good battles down there. If uh, I
0: remember correctly, didn't wasn't it a case of also the fact that they yeah. had? Wasn't it also the a case that for St. Louis, they were the only Missouri was one of only two states in the country where they considered high school hockey uh, uh, intramural. So they could play, the kids could play high school hockey and also play junior hockey at the that's same correct. time.
1: That, that, that's correct. Your memory serves you correct. They, they, could, do, they could do that, and, uh, which, which gave, the, gave them a, a tremendous advantage.
0: I, I tell you, yeah, that made it really tough. I mean, that probably made it easier for them as far as rec- uh, their, the kids that were there in, in Missouri That I mean, why would they want to leave and go somewhere else when they could play high school and junior?
1: Right. My goodness. And, in fact, uh, uh, they had that one player that was really tremendous. He's he's still, as far as I know, he's still playing in the NHL today. uh, Stastny.
0: Yeah, Paul Stastny. He's playing with Vegas. Yeah, and uh, and I remember
1: we, we we played we played when he was playing for the St. Louis Junior team. Yep, and uh, he was just he was just like like the rest of them at that point, and uh, he was a good player.
0: Yeah, his it was his uh, Jan Stastny also played with the Junior Blues back then when Paul played, but I think I mean if I I may be wrong on this, but if I remember correctly, Jan actually was the better Junior player, Junior B player, but. Later on, obviously, Paul blossomed and became what he is now. But back then, Jan was, I think, the had the better stats and was a better. And he got a cup of coffee in the NHL and mostly had some time in the minors. But uh, both of them, I mean, my gosh, Jack Behan uh, had, I mean, he didn't have to work too hard to get them to come into the organization because all those banners in the afternoon arena spoke for themselves.
1: Right, and then, of course, they had the had, – uh... You know Peter, who was their father, was was a great player in the in the NHL also so years before that.
0: Oh yeah, he played in Quebec mostly, and uh, of course then he settled down in St. Louis post career. So uh-huh. that made it easier for them to you know as far as when it came to recruiting. But uh, they, I mean, and also there were some other guys whose kids played for the Junior Blues. Uh, guys like Rick Zombo's kid. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. I know there was one or two other guys that played in St. Louis or played in the NHL that settled down in the St. Louis area and ended up uh, with their kids playing for the Junior Blues. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, so I just, uh, I, 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 you know, I still, and I'll have to get Jack on here sometime, but that, those were some of the funnest trips uh, going back and forth to St. Louis. Because now back in the day when before me, uh, you guys actually would fly there sometimes, did you not?
1: We, actually, we did. We 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 flew we flew the entire team uh, down to St. Louis. We would we would have a a local charter bus that would meet us at the airport, and we we rode that charter bus the whole time we were there, and then they'd take us back to the airport, and we would fly back to Detroit. Back then, it was it was pretty pretty neat. Uh, the, the airline had what they call companion fares, mm-hmm. so if you you buy one ticket, the second one was free, and the ticket, the round trip ticket to St. Louis was only seventy five dollars. Wow! So, so now now we're, get, we're we're getting we're getting two players down to St. Louis back for seventy five dollars. It was cheaper, it was cheaper than taking a charter bus from here down to St. Louis. Which later, of course, that that all went, that all went away, and, and and we were back into the back into driving our our, our bus down there. But the bus trips were good too. I mean, we we had a lot of we had a lot of come lottery on them buses. But yeah. uh, we all, but we also had it on the plane. Together. You know, we, that's a, that's a lot of players and staff. We had a lot of people on the plane. We we had a great time on those planes, and we had some of the same cum lottery. But it didn't last as long, of course. And uh, but yeah, I remember flying down there all the time. My goodness,
0: I bet though it was nice though, especially coming back after a game, to not have to, you know, ride 10 hours to get here. Uh, instead, you know, it was maybe an, what, an hour, hour and a half?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, about an hour and a half fly. Uh, it isn't too bad. Wow. And, but even after the team started taking taking the bus down there, I, I just, I was, I guess I was getting older. I said, you know, I don't want to make that long trip on the bus. Uh, I'm going to fly. I, I flew... Down there a lot to St. Louis. I don't think I ever rode the bus to St. Louis, and uh, it, but it was. Uh, and I, re, I remember, I remember one time riding on the bus going down there, and Mike Robertson was sitting beside me, and uh, we said so we started talking about we were going to go out to an Italian restaurant with with uh, one of the owners of the of uh, the St. Louis team, and uh, I, I told him uh, that. There's certain food that that I really I really liked eating, and I ordered that when We got into the restaurant down there, and he and he looked at me and he said, uh, uh, "What are you eating?" I said, "Those are those are baby French fries." And I said, "Well, you go ahead and go ahead and have a baby French fry. See how you like them." And he loved them. And uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what it is. My memory is not as good as it used to be. But it's um it's squid, you know. Squid? Oh
0: my gosh!
1: And it was uh it was deep fried, and he loved it. He said he would never eat it. But th- those are the things that we did. We just we just had a great time. It, it was a fantastic time, and uh, we had we had fun with the team, and we had the fun without the team.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean by that. But uh, you know, it's funny. I was I remember I can remember being in St. Louis, and after the. It usually it was a it was a two game series down there, and we would uh, get down there on Saturday, and we'd bus out Friday night and get there Saturday morning, and then after the game on Saturday we would go, uh, the team would go to like CC's Pizzeria, you know CC's right. Pizza and stuff like that, and we'd take the place over, and it was just so much fun watching people look at us, you know like you know we were just like these weird weirdos. We, we, we,
1: yeah, we had such a great time with that CC's Pizza that uh, even even later later on there was times when they they would close and when they started having the later games because we used to have the earlier games but they got to where they had later later games and they weren't over they were closed by the time we got out and I would call this manager down there and he he would he would open up he, for us and nobody else but he would open up for us I don't. And I'm sure you were there too. Oh yeah! But it, uh, we would go in there, and and uh, and he would feed our our entire team, and uh, I think we paid uh, five bucks a person.
0: Holy and, cow!
1: And that was, and that, that was that was a great deal.
0: Yeah, no question about it. So Chuck, you know, uh, then you know again in the mid '90s, about the time I I, I showed up, uh, I can remember. Uh, Rod McCarthy trying to do play by play, and that was nothing short of hilarious. Because not because of his abilities, but because he got so excited during a game, the fan the fan in him kept creeping out. He would he would start yelling and, and chirping the referee, and you know, and, th- and that's putting it nicely. That's putting it. Rod, Rod was good. Rod was good at that. I can tell you that
1: I hated to sit beside him in the sands because he was making saves and taking shots and, and, and moving his body all around. He, he was constantly bumping into me. Oh and, my gosh! Uh, and, and I didn't. There were not very many referees that he ever that he ever. He always would tell me because he would. He, Chuck, when you go to that league meeting, I don't want that referee back again. You tell him we don't want him no more. So I was okay, Rod. I'll make sure that he never shows up again. Of course, the referees were on the rotating uh, schedule, so the chances of him coming back wasn't wasn't real big. And uh, and, by, and if one did, he'd forgotten about it by then anyway. Rod That's, Rod's a great guy.
0: That is funny, but yeah, he used to. He would just get so he would get so into the game and yell, and he's supposed to be doing play by play. And so I show up and I talked to him and I talked to Chris Reniger and you know the rest is history but I mean it was I mean just to watch him do that was nothing short of hysterical I used to I used to just love going over there cuz I went for a couple of games and just sat there I didn't do anything I went as a fan and watched and oh my gosh that I mean watching him was was just was just a thing of beauty because he would get so fired up and and so I mean but that's just how it is I mean with people especially with hockey people you know you get so impassioned by the game
1: right well I'll tell you what he he had a brilliant hockey mind he he was really he was really good and he was a, more of a defensive guy and he, he could set up that defense like no one that I I had I had ever met you know and uh he he was he was excellent
0: so I mean as far as uh you know when I mean, he, did he was he a uh, more of a hands on owner type, or was he uh, let the let the coaches do their thing?
1: Uh, no, he no, it was kind of let them do their thing. He was he was he was he was not a dictator type of guy. In fact, uh, he's got such a sweet personality that he he never he never did much of that when it comes to hiring and firing. He always made guess who do it. <laughs>
0: Ah uh, yes, ah uh, yes. So so Chuck, when you uh, when you went uh, when we won the let's talk about the national championship. Well, actually, I want to talk about the year before the when we w- went to the national championship game, but came up short. And it was at so it was at Sylvania Tamulshanner. That had to be a really big like a really big thing to be able to bring that here to the Toledo market.
1: So fantastic! I, I, I'll never, I'll never forget it, Mick. And uh, I, you know, the letdown at the end was tremendous. We had these big old players in there crying their eyes out because they really worked hard, um, and they, they tried real hard. And we just assured them, "Hey, you know, we're, we're just we're just new to the junior. We hadn't been in the junior leagues that long, and." Um, you know, some of the teams have never been to the finals, you know, and just count yourself lucky, and I think we lost to New York Apple Corps, I'm not potty, but I think no,
0: it it, we No, we beat the Apple Corps, because that was my first year, and uh, we, that, yeah, we beat Apple Corps in the semis, and we lost to a team from Minnesota, I believe it was the Lakers, maybe, no, was it the Lakers uh, or the you
1: Owls? Know, you know, you're right, I, I remember that now, and, uh, Yeah, because
0: Adam Pobiak stood on his head with uh, 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 repelling the Apple Corps because they had a couple of future NHLers on that team. They had the Scuderi brothers, yeah, Ken and Rob Scuderi. Uh, I know Rob played in L.A. with the Kings, and I'm trying to think of who else he played with. I think with the Islanders maybe, or maybe that might have been Ken. But uh, I think Ken played with the Devils. But uh, anyway – they both made it to, the – but they played. They played their junior B uh, in New York with the Apple Corps with uh, what's his name Lazar. So yeah, so that was,
1: yeah, that was a that was a tremendous a tremendous team.
0: They were stacked.
1: They, they were, were supposed to beat everybody but they I guess they kind of thought they had it easy with Cleveland, and we may have been a little bit over over uh, confident when we played Minnesota but we, we, we handled Applecorn and that was that was a great game
0: Yes it was I mean everyone was on pins and needles that game and and the thing I remember too not only for Applecore, but for the championship game, I never seen Tamil Shanner so packed it was huge just having the, having them, um, you know, the standing room only, you know, all six right. and seven deep, you know, it was just so nice to see. And the loft, I mean, everybody was in, was glued to the windows looking out at the rink. I mean, it was just a great sight to see all those people in there jam packed to try and see Toledo win a national championship. But, um, you know, I, I, you, it was really hard because I mean there were some some guys that were going to age out that year. Obviously Jason Reniger, Chris's son, but guys like Sean Cass. Uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of the other guys, but um, that moved on. But still, it was just so great to see those you know those young men uh, gave it their all. You know they really did. They gave it their all, and but some of them got to come back you know, guys like Mike Kellemeyer, uh, you know, and stuff, and uh, being able to see guys come back, and then, of course, we had to go out to Simi Valley, California to do it, but by golly, we we were able to finally get the job done in
1: 1998. Yeah, I, 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 I have some real fond memories of, of Simi Valley and, uh, and and winning that national championship, and I remember I I was I was on on the on the broadcast and I was doing color up. I, I forgot who the who was that announcer guy. Uh, who was who was calling that? Um, oh, Mick, that was you.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that was that was um, no that wasn't the that wasn't that year. We did a championship game, but I think we did the one in Philadelphia because Simi Valley. I did it because I broadcasted on the radio. Back to Toledo, you, and did. I, yeah, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, and I had uh, a, a buddy of mine from high school who I stayed with. I didn't stay at the hotel. I stayed at a buddy of mine's house who lived in Burbank, and I stayed at his house when I flew out there, and uh, and and we ended up doing the game. I remember because we had to do the game through using a fax machine, and uh, that's how I remember because we did we could our, our, our gear we couldn't get it to work. And so we ended up having to use a fax machine to, and using a phone line that was hooked up to a fax machine to broadcast back to Toledo, back to uh, the ticket. And uh, so we, I mean, it was a riot doing that back I then. Just, yeah,
1: I, I just remember doing a game. And oh, sure no, you, it was did, you, did,
0: you did several. It wasn't Simi Valley, but uh, it was Philadelphia. I thought I think.
1: we were standing up in the stands.
0: Oh, wait you know a minute. Where... You, no, you know where that was? That was in Hartford. And that was like 2001 that we were in Hartford for, for, uh, for Nationals. And you, we had uh, that big, huge loft up there, up way up high. And, yeah, that was, that was you. That was you. But, uh, yeah, no, my buddy Bill worked with me in Simi Valley because I remember we had to bail out the, uh, the guys from Alaska, Fairbanks. Their announcer, his headset broke. So he, he didn't have nothing to broadcast with. So I gave him my headset to use, and he played in the game before his team played in the game before us in the qualifying round, and then we faced each other in the uh, in the was it not the semis but uh, uh. or was it the semis? I know it was in the it was like near the towards the end. I think it was the as a matter of fact it was a semis because uh, Fairbanks, we did, uh, Derek Stum scored the game winner. I remember that. And uh, I think uh, somebody, it might have been Brad Coombe was in the penalty box. He had just come out of the box. And, uh. and, uh, and Stummer from the, from the uh, low left slot uh, wristed one just under the crossbar. And the place went absolutely apoplectic. I remember that for that game. But then for the, but for the championship game, it was my buddy Bill and I working, uh, using a fax machine. And, uh, and I remember because we had all the guys up that didn't dress up there. I mean, I was using them like nobody's business in the intermissions because I was, you know, asking like, hey, uh, Avinck, uh was the captain that year and he was hurt so he didn't get to play in the championship game. And of course, uh, Mike. Uh, oh, war nineteen. Um, oh, my name goes blank at the moment. But uh, Marshawn, that's it. Mike Marshawn. He he was also up there. And so we got to um, we. Uh, I had I was interviewing those guys left and right in the intermission, and and some of the other guys that didn't dress for the for the championship game. So I I mean that was you know that was a hoot. And stuff, but uh, I just remember every I lost you guys after the game because after they did all the presentation and everything, I had to si- I stayed on the air till like one o'clock in the morning, Toledo time. So I finally get done, sign off, we go downstairs, go to the locker room. I remember Ferentz Satlos was uh drinking uh, drinking uh, spiked apple juice or whatever it was. Uh, uh, it was apple juice. It wasn't booze. But he was drinking it out of the cup, out of the championship yeah. cup. And so he started, he's going, this blankety-blank, awesome. And and, and and Scott Williams is standing next to him going, obviously they taught him really good English. And, you know, we started laughing about that. But, uh-huh. I mean, now, uh, it, you know what? It's funny because after that, while they were getting all, every, all the boys were getting cleaned up and showered and everything, getting ready. I left the locker room, and uh, I didn't know where everybody was going. And I so I basically lost everybody. So my buddy and I went, and we found a place, uh, a, a bar to go to with uh, some people in there and stuff. And we were just celebrating and, you know, just having a good time and everything. But I lost everybody from, uh, from the team because, again, I, like I said, I stayed at his house. I didn't stay at the hotel. So I didn't even had no clue where you guys were, so uh, anything like that. But still, that, like I said, that was still probably one of the funnest times I ever had with with the hockey team. It was great.
1: Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of fun memories. And uh, now uh, there are so many stories I could probably go on for hours. But no, uh,
0: give, give me a couple. Give me a couple. I know you guys went to. When you first got there, they had the big reception at the Ronald Reagan Library. What was that like?
1: Oh, that was that, that, that was interesting. That 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 was uh, that, it was a lot of fun, and it was it was a great welcome. Uh, the USA Hockey, uh, of course, put, put that on and uh, trying to recognize everybody that worked so hard. I mean, when when you get that far, when you get down to the nationals, you know, it, the hundreds of teams and all these leagues, you know, that have. They got filtered out, and then you got there and you the the atmosphere was was uh electric i mean you just you know you just got thrilled just standing there and uh and to see the there was this at the time I think it was a silver cup mm-hmm. and uh and that silver cup just 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 to see it and to, and to touch it and of course we got to keep it for a year and that that was that was that was quite a quite a thrill there. Uh, I I just have no idea. But you know, you talk about stories. I remember, and I think it was in, I'm not sure, I was in the Simi Valley or not. But I think it was. Uh, they had a thing where the one time the kids started to turn their back on the other team during the national anthem. Uh, of course, I got. I got kicked by the wayside, but I got fined fifty dollars uh, wow. by 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 the by the uh, USA Hockey uh, League for because our our kids turned their back on the on the other team during the, the national anthem. Wow. and uh, And then, and then I found out that, that what they did was they went around looking for things to find people for, and that went into their beer fund, and that's what they paid their beer with. Oh, uh, you know, I know I never paid it. <laughs> never, I never paid it. And, uh, of course, th- those guys have, those guys, all of them, some of them are, are not even alive anymore, but we, we, we just had great times, you know. And, uh, I can think of going to, I think you might have been on the bus too. Uh, when we went to, uh, Gene, Gene Adeline was, was driving the bus, I think we were going to, uh, the East Coast. And, uh, he kept having to make U-turns, and we started to call him U-turn uh, Eugene. But we went to the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty. And we, we did all kinds, all kinds of, all kinds of cool things. And I don't know; it's part of my life that uh, you know. Um, I had I had a great time. I, I think I stayed with that for like twenty five years. And
0: uh, now you did you did a lot of stuff though with the, making sure that that organization ran. What were some of the things you did besides being, you know, the everyone can look in the in the game program and say, okay, president, owner. I mean, you did time as a GM, things like a little bit of everything. But what was some of the other stuff that you did around the rink or around outside the outside the rink that you well, did to keep the thing going?
1: Well, I did a lot of fundraising. I and mean, depending on what hat I had on, I even I even sold 50-50 tickets at the rink, climbing up and down the steps and and I used to give people an arm length for five bucks and tell them, uh, "I got the winning number right here. when well, you want to buy it?" And uh, just 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 a lot of stuff like that. But we did we did have a bingo operation that really helped the uh, helped the team out a lot, and uh, it. Uh, we, we used our 501C3 to to, uh, to to get that. We kept that bingo going for for quite a few years. But I did, did that. I you name it, you name it. I I did it. You know, I, I i worked in the I worked in I worked in the penalty boxes. I worked at I worked at at, at the scorekeeper's table. I, I announced. Uh, um, I raised funds. Well, I remember one year we we, we were talking about Jeep the Cherokees. We gave a, we were going to we we were going to we gave a jeep away.
0: Holy cow!
1: Do you remember? You, know, you probably don't remember the jeep giveaway.
0: No, I don't.
1: We had we had a we had a jeep and uh, we sold tickets uh, for ten dollars a ticket, which was exorbitantly high, I mean, we couldn't sell very many. But we sold uh, we sold a whole lot of tickets and every, every game we would take drive it, in between period the second and third period we would drive the Jeep out on the ice and, and, and circle it around and and try to get people to, to buy tickets we, we raised a lot of money and but the day came when we were supposed to have the drawing to see who would win that Jeep and we, we did that at, we did that at Center Ice and uh, we knew we lost money on it and and uh, but we, we didn't we didn't do it quite the right way, and and what happened at that point was and it was funny because the guy the guy that won the jeep gave it back to us. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it was just donated, so we didn't have to buy the jeep. <laughs> Holy smokes! And boy, well, we're lucky on that one. Not bad. Uh, then we had golf tournaments. Uh, uh, I'm sure you've been in some of the golf tournaments.
0: Yeah, I've been in a couple of them, and matter of fact, they're still going strong. Uh, I believe August 23rd is the next one here up at Giant Oak.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, and yeah, I got a grandson that's uh, coaching a te- Cherokee team now, the t- 2010 Cherokees. Ej, yeah, they, they got a golf tournament coming up uh, also, and he's quite the fundraiser guy. I hope he. Get, I think he gets it naturally, but
0: yeah, I would I, think I, so. I, yeah.
1: To do to turn a buck
0: for the team? I did. I mean, that's you did. I mean, you were. I you were. That's the one thing I will say about you. You were. You had no problem when it came to fundraising. When it came to you know uh, hustling a buck, you were good at that. That was that was your strong suit. But uh I mean, well, well that's the, you're a natural salesman anyway, and you were a <laughs> salesman by trade, so it just came yeah, naturally to you. But so, you
1: know what? You know what? We had a we had a. Big budget, then, then just for our our budget was uh, like one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's a big budget that pays for, that pays for for the ice, it pays for the, the buses, it pays for uh, uh, the coaches. Uh, there's just there's so so much expense to running a team, and and ice. I don't know any sport that has the expense. Hockey is an expensive sport. Uh, because when you're running ice, I don't even know what it's going for now, but that's over $200 an hour just to practice. Yeah, and and I just ice is, ice is it's an expensive sport, but it's a great sport. It's probably and as far as I'm concerned, it's the greatest sport. I know the uh, other people might take me to task over that, but uh, that's my number one sport. hockey. I was gonna
0: say, you're not gonna get any argument out of me, so <laughs> but uh, so Chuck, um. Well, as you wound it down, uh, what was it that made you decide that maybe you want you wanted to spend a little bit more time with the family and everything? Because uh, I know Narda, your wife, uh, she was a big, You're big fading, man. Uh, tell you what, she really was a big help to you as far as all the stuff that you guys did for the Cherokee organization. She really came in and and really put. Uh, Put uh, gave us a big hand to help us.
1: Yeah, Nardo, Nardo, Nardo was a trooper. She ran our souvenir stand, and uh, she ordered all the souvenirs, and she kept all the, all the records on it. And she would turn money over to the to the team. We gave we always bought the coats and stuff for the kids, and uh, there was a lot of stuff that uh, that she did. Nardo was a a real trooper. And once went, you know what what. I married her. I was already I was already head over tail of the Cherokees when when we met, and, uh, and I remember she had a TV with uh, with rabbit ears on it, and I I, I wanted to watch the NHL on uh, on on TV. Uh, most most rightly, I wanted to watch hockey night in Canada. Of course, and yeah, she couldn't she couldn't bring it in. And I told her, you know, I'm not coming out here, in Fremont. I'm not going out there, unless you can get cable. I am not going out there on this night or that night. I can't, and uh, so she ended up getting cable, and she's, she's just she's just a
0: she lured you in, huh? You. She lured uh-huh? you she lured you in with cable.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm glad that she did. She's and she, when she got into she didn't know a lot about hockey, but she she knew a little bit. She knew the name Gordy Howe.
0: Well, there you go. There's that. So, <laughs> That's a plus. That is definitely a plus. In
1: but, fact, I got a. I got a. I got a. I'm looking at it right now. I got a book laying here on my bookshelf. It says and how it's an autographed book. By Gordy he did. He did some autographed books for us when uh, he came to Shannon to support the Cherokees. Yep. And and he was. I don't, I don't. know if you remember that or not. But he he signed sticks, and uh, his wife Colleen was with him.
0: Yep, I remember that.
1: You remember that we we had that was the day that the fire, the, the, the fire department started turning the people away from Temple because there was too many people coming
0: out. Oh yeah, and he and the funny part is is that I saw him like a week later. He was up at the Novi Golf Show, up in, in Novi at the uh, up there, and I I I, I look over and I'm like, that's Gordy, and him and Colleen were signing autographs for the book only, and uh, I was like, wow. And so you know, it was kind of nice to see him again and stuff. But uh, you know, yeah, at the banquet,
1: you know, he he got me he got me up against the wall, and he kind of pushed me into the wall, and he said, "You see, I still guy can still (laughs) check."
0: There you go, there you go. Now, yeah, we also you know that's the other thing too. The Cherokee got some good names to come for uh, fundraising events and whatnot. I mean, I remember when we won the national championship. Uh, at the at the banquet here, at the, it was uh, where it was out in the Pinnacle, wasn't it? And if I remember correctly, Bobby Hull was the guest of honor there. Bobby Hull, yeah, I remember having him. Yep, he was there for when we won the national championship, and I remember because the the uh, blade, the Toledo Blade, their uh, their gossip columnist or whatever she is, she sat at our table. And so, uh, so she was there, I guess, watching, uh, you know, as everyone was having dinner and stuff, and and whatnot. But uh, uh, Bobby Hull was signing all kinds of stuff and everything, and he was uh, he he was talking about you know Brett and whatnot and stuff because Brett was playing back then. He was young. He was a young guy back then, but you uh, uh, the nicest guy you could ever meet, Bobby Hull. Yeah. I mean, he was really a a real nice guy. Uh, when we met him and stuff, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And I just, you know, it's just the little things like that that come to mind when you look back, and it's like, you know what, this really was a pretty darn, and still is, a pretty darn cool organization. You know, I mean, not only from the time we had back then with all the success and whatnot, but even now with what they're trying to do with that program and everything and and make it work in the USPHL. I am so proud of them, you know, with what yeah, Kenny yeah, Miller.
1: Yeah, they are doing well, and uh, Kenny's a good coach, and, uh, and, and 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 Todd, and I I think they're they're doing a great job, and they got some they got some good people, uh, Mander's. Yep, uh,
0: Donnie and and Carrie, uh, they're they are uh, wonderful.
1: And, and Carrie, yeah, Carrie, has got a real head on business head on her shoulders, and and uh, they're, running, they're running, they got that organization running good. They, even though I'm not active in it anymore, it's still in my blood.
0: You know, absolutely. You know, and you look at things like, uh, you know, obviously they've got, as you mentioned, you know, Kenny and Todd and Nick signs. You can't, you got to tip your hat to those guys because they are definitely doing a great job, not only of of coaching, but of getting more local talent. You know, it, where before, you might find one or two local kids back right. when you first started. Now, it's uh, almost all local kids, and, or at least within an hour's drive.
1: Yeah, you know. that's the key. That's the key.
0: You know, so getting those guys to want to wanna stay home and play here in Toledo, that's, I mean, for me, that that's a beauty. Now, uh, before we wind her up here, Chuck, um, what was, I mean, Obviously, the national championship is is the biggest uh, was probably the biggest deal as far as uh, what you experienced. But outside of the national championship, what was your fondest memory of the Toledo Cherokee?
1: Oh boy, there, 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 are just so many of them. Uh, I, I, I think the fact that that we rose to national prominence. So quick, probably quicker than any other organization that uh, that you know started on a grassroots type of thing. But that wasn't another team that got a new name. We 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 started with nothing, Uh, and uh, we rose to national prominence. I think we were in our second year, maybe it was, maybe it was the third year that we. You know, we made we made the playoffs, and we've been we've been to the national championships. We didn't do as well as we wanted to when we first, but we made it there. Yeah. And uh, now, it was just a fast rise, and, and the relationships that were gained along the way are yeah. just just I just I just cannot say enough about them. I still hear from players. I hear from parents. Yeah, I, I I talk to them all the time, and, uh, and I don't know. My heart, my heart is, my heart is really with the turkeys.
0: I can't say I I can't disagree with you. I'm in the same boat. So, well, Chuck, before I go, what uh, I uh, I always ask some, I always ask folks, is there any question you have for me that you want to ask that you can think of about anything that happened back in the day? Or any anything that you know comes to mind that maybe you don't remember, but maybe run it by me and see if we can remember it together.
1: Well, what I'd like to hear because I've never never heard a whole lot of it. Uh, I've I've seen a little bit uh, on, on on Facebook, and uh, I think we we've, we've talked a little bit. But I'd like to know a little bit more about your wife, and you know you, you know I, I know when you were dating and you. Know, through your through this whole thing and, and how how in love you were and all that stuff, but I would like to know a little bit more about your wife.
0: Well, let's see. Well, she's a little younger than I am, and I was never a. I never dated anyone younger than me ever, ever, until her. I did, uh, we met, and we met. She we met online, but not for that purpose. It was not for that purpose at all. And uh, we had both been uh we had both been uh uh involved with uh some a couple of uh uh, groups where we were you know talking about tv shows and stuff like that and whatnot well anyway uh long story short i went uh i was asking her because she's from down south so i was asking her where's a good place to get a a a burger in a you know in a, a dumpy place i didn't want you know one of the chains I wanted something local, and that was, you know, just uh, as they say in Smokey and the Bandit, a good old choke and puke, you know. And so I I went and found, she told me about a place, and we were, I had the day off, so I drove down, and we were playing in Cincinnati that weekend, so I went down to where she was at, and we met. And it was fine. Everything was fine. But like I said, we weren't interested in each other for that purpose. So we were, you know, everything was nice and friendly. And uh, gosh, it's probably about a good year, year and a half later that anything ever happened. Well, eventually, you know, we spent a a day together where we spent six hours talking. and, And I was like, okay, wait a minute. This is weird and you know so but uh nature took its course you know i mean we, we i mean i was the one that fell first and i never do but i was the one that fell first and uh she she was reluctant because of the distance the long distance but uh she was like well and then i said you know i'm willing if you are and she's like you know this isn't going to be easy these things never work i said i know they never work but I'm mule headed. What do I know? I don't know when to quit. So she says, well, if you want to, I'm game. And I'm like, okay, you're stuck with me then. And here we are. That was back in 2006 or seven and 13 years later. So we're still, we're still plugging along. So
1: that's good. You gotta, I, I, I know your heart and, uh, and I, I can I know from uh, personal experience. Uh, I know all about your your testimony and and some of your beliefs. And I I think those things are so important. You know, we get tied up we get tied up into this into this this hockey world and some of some of the stuff you hear in the locker rooms and stuff like that. You know, you but uh, you you try to live your life so others uh, can see uh, see your beliefs.
0: Yeah, you know, I and that's a thing, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. You know, you've got to go home and, and look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, did I do okay today? And sometimes you don't, you know, you, you, you fall short. But that's what, you know, and, and tomorrow's not guaranteed, but that's why you have to take advantage of each day, you know, as a gift. Because it's so much, it's so easy to, you know, kind of lose sight of that because it's the day-to-day right. grind. But the one thing that uh, she's taught me is that you don't take anything for granted because she's in a wheelchair, so it's not like she can, uh, you know, hop, skip, and jump so, you know, or anything like that. So, I, you know, we, we, we find victory in the little things, and you find that the happiness in, uh, in the little things, you know, and once you keep doing that for a while, then eventually the little things build up and they become big things. And, you know, so that's, that's our approach to it. And that's how I've tried to, I'm trying to live my life. Like I said, it isn't perfect by any stretch. You know, I know me too well to know otherwise. As I always tell, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, when you point your finger at somebody, just remember your other fingers underneath are pointing back at you. So, you know, just keep that little nugget in mind. And, uh, and so I'm just like, yeah, you know, so, you know, you, like I say, you just take it day by day. That's all you can do is take it day by day and go from there. Oh, well, true. Ch- okay. Well, Chuck, I tell you what, man, I've had a wonderful time talking with you here, and thanks so much for uh, hanging out and doing this podcast, and uh, hopefully we will chat again down the road.
1: Sounds good to me.
0: Awesome I've, stuff. I've,
1: list- I've listened to a couple years already, and uh, I'm... And there's some horrible you. just I think it's a great thing you're doing there Mick
0: well, it's just my way of saying thank you to the organization that's how I look at it i want to be i've always been grateful, you know I mean, I could have moved on and done other things, but you know for some reason, Chris Reniger just knew the right time to say something to me so that I would never leave and it i you know she's the reason I never left for all those years because she oh she always told me you know the right things she would always tell me you know hey we thank you we're really thankful for you being there and it wasn't that i needed the ego sw- uh, pat on the back or anything but it was nice to know that someone took the time to uh, you know say you know what you're you're doing you're doing good you know we we like having you here
1: yeah well and, good for chris 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 is a wonderful friend yes she is and, and i mean we are still in touch with each other and Yep. She comes out here, we go in there, so she's a great person.
0: Yes, she is. I can't say enough good about her. I really can't. So she is a wonderful human being. And anyway, Chuck, I thank you so much for this. And, uh, hey, like I said, we'll see you down the road. And uh, take care, buddy, and we'll talk soon.
1: All right, Mick. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for here for this edition of the Cherokee Rewind. Thank you so much. Don't forget, it'll be on uh, Facebook. It will be on uh, also on Spotify. Also on the TuneIn Radio app. you also find it on my Twitter page, at Radio Cheap Seats, which is my Twitter handle. Also on my Facebook. And the Cherokee always repeats or reposts it on their Facebook. So you'll be able to find it all over the place. So be sure to check it out. Thank you so much again. We'll talk to you guys next time. This is Mick for Chuck LeMay saying so long, everybody. You've been listening to Toledo Cherokee Rewind. We'll talk to you again. Good night, everybody.